Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. This week is a, is a rare double feature, an exciting, an exciting week. A double feature, Michael. I'm excited. So uh, we have watched two movies. We've watched 2001's documentary Dogtown and Z-Boys, directed by Stacey Peralta. And we watched 2005's Lords of Dogtown, a fictional retelling of that documentary, directed by Catherine Hardwick and written by Stacey Peralta. Stacey Peralta, a much-talked-about star of the world of skateboarding on this podcast. I, I, I never realized until I was watching the documentary, just how big of a figure Stacy himself is in kind of everything that we've, well, not everything, but most of the stuff we've discussed thus far on the podcast. Yeah. I do feel like he is, he has been a common thread throughout a lot of the different things we've discussed. And I think part of that is because, you know, when you watch this documentary and you see, you know, his youth as a skateboarder, he, very swiftly transitioned to being the person who realized that he could market other people through video better than he could do as like being a 20 something skate champion. Sure. I think he felt as though it's funny. It's that's one of those strange things. That's no longer a a real issue in skateboarding, but for a long time, like by the time you hit 23 or 24, you had aged out of skateboarding, at least, you know, professionally, and I think that Stacy was the one, you know, it's 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 illustrated pretty beautifully and pretty obviously in both the documentary and the the fictitious retelling of that Stacy, you know, he was the one who was like savvy enough to not become like a total sellout weirdo kook like maybe Gator did, but was also enough, you know, savvy enough to like market himself and then market skateboarding in a way that like made it remain cool, but also really accessible. You know, I feel like that was the main thing about the Bones Brigade is that they still, it's like they, he, he like hedged that bet. They were characters and they had sort of a badass edge to them with skulls and knives and stuff on the, on, on the graphics on the skateboard. But they were also like a well-oiled enough machine that they could show up to a parking lot in the middle of nowhere and put on a, a really good demonstration. And that was all Stacy. He, he was the first one to really, really realize the utility of, of video, like skate videos. He's kind of the father of that whole genre. Yeah. And I know that um, like Pauline Kale, I think is attributed with saying being smart and being talented aren't necessarily the same thing. And I think Stacey Peralta is like the epitome of smart. Whereas I think some of the other people featured in this documentary, particularly um, like Jay Adams are talented. I think this, this documentary is like a very strong illustration of that quote. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, you've, it, you, when you watch it, I mean, it plays out so cleanly. You have like, you have Tony Alva, who's also almost like the, in the middle. He was like smart enough to market himself 
and keep himself in the game after he had sort of aged out, but was like talented enough that he was, I mean, he's still, he's like 55 now, I think, and still skateboarding in pools all the time. But then you had Jay Adams, who was the absolute natural. Like when you watch that footage, first of all, can we just like applaud the the idea of how well documented <laughs> all of that footage is from the, like they, they, they were smart enough to know to just keep the camera rolling. And that footage of Jay Adams, it's, it's astounding. Like the stuff that he's, it's not even stuff that he's landing and rolling away from. It's stuff that he's just attempting before anybody else attempted it. But he, he was never going to be the guy who was going to be smiling for the camera and giving the thumbs up. And then Stacy was almost like he was not the natural. Stacy was there at the beginning and a good skater, but like kind, I think knew pretty quickly that if he was going to have a sustained career, just even the idea of thinking about a sustained career in skateboarding as early as the you know the mid-1970s is such an interesting concept like I don't think anybody thought that there was any career to be had unless you owned a factory that made skateboards and Stacy was kind of the one who I think saw the potential there yeah and from a historical perspective I thought the documentary did a really good job of showing how like late 70s skateboarding came out of surfing how they were all surfers how they all kind of congregated around this one shop, the Zephyr shop, how the urethane wheels changed everything and, you know, showed how, you know, every so often, I feel like it's interesting to me in like various subculture histories, you get these kind of flashpoints where there's a group of three or four, like really interesting, talented people who kind of change what's going on. And I think that was definitely what happened with this documentary. Well, absolutely. I think it's it's really interesting to watch that, like you, like you said, they came up from that surf culture and skateboarding had already had like a boom and then died out. And it was these kids who just like the, the thing that was missing from skateboarding was just the street element that all you need is a skateboard and a asphalt surface. You know, that all that footage of them showing up at that first contest and, and acting like street kids. I always think about when you first get a skateboard as a little kid, especially when I was a little kid, when there was very little media to be seen, the first thing you're really doing with a skateboard is playing with it and just seeing what happens if you flip it over and stand on the wheels or flip it on its side. And I think the original version of skateboarding that you kind of see with like the guys like our our friend Russ Howell, who is uh, portrayed in the movie and also in, in person in the documentary, you know, those guys were... They were freestylers. They were playing with their skateboards. And I think the Z-Boys, they were the first guys who presented it as like more like a real lifestyle. Like your skateboard is always with you. It's your mode of transportation. It's a way to show your personality. And it's they, they kind of like peeled it back and revealed that it was a, kind of a badass thing. One thing I also found interesting about both the documentary and the narrative film are is the fact that like history is written by the winners. And this is very much Stacy Peralta's version of events. Like he directed the documentary. He wrote the Catherine Hardwick movie. I'm curious if there are other Z-Boys who were all in the film, but who like saw the final version and, and were kind of like, eh, I'm not sure that's a fair retelling of certain aspects of this. I, I think it's, I think it's a, probably a little bit of both. I think it's a fair retelling and that, in that Stacy and Jay Adams and Tony Alva were the three that really did sort of emerge as like that, like they had a continued and sustained career where a lot of those other guys like Bob Biniak and those guys, they were, I mean, they were certainly, I think it it gave due credence to the fact that a lot of those people were there, but then sort of like 
kind of either aged out or shifted back more to surfing. Peggy Oki, who is is portrayed in the film, but is also in the documentary, was like a a fixture in skateboarding later on, but went ahead and just had like a sort of, I guess you could say, a normal life after the that initial because it's I mean we're really talking about like three years if that of being in the limelight and then skateboarding really did change like you even in the course of the documentary you see there are little subtle changes in the board design but they're within a three-year span the boards widen up a little bit and suddenly they have real kicktails and of course the the invention of the Cadillac wheel within three years the boards had had evolved enough that people were really, really starting to see the potential. While I think a lot of other guys were just like, ah, that's a kid's thing. And they kind of moved on to, I guess you could say a regular life outside of skateboarding. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of stuff in here that I kind of didn't know as general knowledge. I, you know, growing up when I did, I had a pretty good idea of who the Bones Brigade were and and what they were up to, even though I was not a skateboarder. But most of this stuff outside of a couple names was very new to me. I, you know, I didn't know that, vertical skating kind of emerged out of people like looking for empty pools during a drought, things like that, which I thought was super interesting. Well, it's that it's, there's that quote at the beginning of the, of the, of the documentary where they talk about, you know, like it took little kids to see the potential of this massive concrete playground. It's so interesting how cleanly it plays out. You skate when the surface flat and you're trying to mirror the moves that you're doing in the water on either like hillsides or driveways Southern California in that time and place was as just a, as big of a, of a, of a element to it than the kids themselves, like the schoolyards with all those embankments. I remember seeing as a little kid, like watching the movie Freewheeling with Stacey Peralta was in and seeing those schoolyards and thinking like nothing like that exists on the East coast. I'm not saying there aren't paved embankments, but they're never as smooth as the as those, and they're never as consistent. And all of a sudden, now these kids are riding riding waves in ditches and schoolyards. And then the next obvious step is an empty swimming pool. And it's like I feel like what they did capture really, really well, especially in the documentary, was just the audacity of like going into someone's backyard and looking at an empty swimming pool not as like a health hazard or a physically dangerous hazard, but as like the next key. And that's why it's, it's so important when at the very end of both the documentary and at the end of the movie, when Tony Alba pulls his board up over the lip of the pool and goes into the air. I mean, that was like walking on the moon. The next major advancement after that would be the street alley. I like Dogtown and Z boys more than I liked Lords of Dogtown. I like the use of music in both. I thought Dogtown and Z-Boys, the actual people were more interesting to me than the actors playing the people, for one thing. Seeing like real Tony Alva and seeing footage of real Tony Alva, to me, was more interesting than seeing some dude playing Tony Alva. I didn't think Lords of Dogtown was terrible, but I also didn't think it was any kind of essential viewing. I think anyone listening to this, I would recommend they watch Dogtown and Z-Boys, and you can probably give Lords of Dogtown a miss unless you're super interested in this stuff. I think of the movie, The Lords of Dogtown, as almost supplementary material. It falls into a lot of the sort of traps that those movies kind of fall into, where everything is sort of ironed out in the name of of a narrative. Real life net is never that sort of neat and tidy, and I thought that... Well, and especially because... Like I said, they they had so much footage 
of those kids, like, I mean, they have footage of them learning how to ride their skateboards and then becoming better. And they have, you know, they have footage of the first time that they were using those Cadillac wheels. Like narrative film is to sort of fill in the spaces, but they're, they don't really need to fill in many spaces because there's just so much material. Yeah. And certain things that interview subjects said in the documentary, like, uh, it felt like we were on summer vacation for 20 years. And then like in the movie, I think, I think Jay Adams says like the Jay Adams character, you know, says we're going to be on summer vacation for 20 years. It's, it's just way lamer. The one thing in the documentary I did not like was Sean Penn's narration. It felt so pretentious to me. It's like far out among the waves where knights of the water joust with the sea horses of the endless summer day. You know, it was just like, it felt like a really, really bad high school yearbook quote throughout. Yeah. It, it's, it's a little, and especially when it's juxtaposed with, you know, let's face it, those guys, you know, like you said, they're smart and talented and you've got a lot of these guys sort of like, you know, it, it, with the, with the benefit of the years, they're just talking about how they were just kind of little asshole kids. And then Sean Penn comes in and goes, and no, <laughs> the, the, the wheels met the concrete. I'm like, well, maybe you're right. That, that is a little heavy handed. The Z boys were at a crossroads. <laughs> I don't think they were aware that they were at a crossroads. I think they were just trying to pay their rent, which was, you know, that's the, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, if, if you're somebody who follows skateboarding there, it really is like, there's these cycles that kind of never, never run out. Like there are always the naturals who, who are never going to be able to really make a career uh, and are just like naturally good on a skateboard but kind of fade out quickly. And then there are the guys who are, who are, you know, incredibly good at, you know, like working the industry and working the system and keeping themselves very well fed. And then there's, but there's also this, the more recent years have revealed this sort of weird, interesting middle class of skateboarders who are like hold regular jobs, but are also incredibly talented skaters who just sort of like they're actually able to sort of eke out this interesting career because of the internet where you almost feel like guys like Bob Biniak, if he had been skating in the nineties would be, um, I was about to make an arcane reference to another recent skater, but I guess that's (laughs) Bob Biniak is sort of the Dave Cadow of, of, uh, of the 1970s where it's a guy who just like every year he releases one, really good video part of footage, but goes to his regular job. Look, I don't get that reference. But I like to think there are listeners who do. Perhaps there. If you get that reference, send us a, <laughs> send us a, 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 a comment and say, oh yeah, Dave could out. <laughs> Although I do think, you know, like watching the documentary and then watching uh, Lords of Dogtown, it didn't seem like they overly fictionalized too much. It did seem like the whole thing about the Skip Emblem character kind of harassing Stacey Peralta for having a job. I, I felt like that was probably, it felt to me like that was an offhand comment made once that Skip Emblem immediately forgot that has stayed with Stacey Peralta for the past 50 years. You know, you're absolutely, like you said earlier, it really was like Stacy, like working out his, like, I was, I was, uh, you know, never considered part of the team. And they're probably thinking, well, no, dude, you just like weren't there the day we gave out the t-shirts. Like, 
And I don't know if that's true, but that's what it felt like watching it. It it definitely felt that way. Like Stacy was working things out <laughs> in the in the in the film. Yeah, I mean, I I liked the movie. I ju- it just. I guess that's what I, I guess my the, the, the opinion that I'm going to stick with is it, without the documentary, the movie would be good fun. But w- with the amount of information and footage in the documentary, the movie almost seemed completely unnecessary. They could have pieced together that movie just with found footage. Yeah, especially um, in the movie had that character, Sid, who barely figures into the documentary. But in the movie, they build up as like a much more important character. He's the, the kid who dies of cancer. When he's undergoing chemo, he asks his dad to drain his pool so the Z-Boys can all come and just go in the pool. And and like from a narrative structure standpoint with the fictional film, I can see why they did that. Because in the documentary, it kind of comes out of nowhere where, you know, near the end, we all kind of got together at this place we called the Dog Bowl because this kid who was a fan talked his dad into draining his pool. Like that was interesting to me seeing how they, you know, when scripting it out as a film stacy peralta must have gotten some note from someone saying like well we need a through line because this kid comes out of nowhere that was interesting to me and then um you know the late heath ledger plays skip and bloom in this in a performance that in a lot of reviews i read like kind of really praised that performance but which i and i'm probably like gonna be unpopular here did not think was that good it was certainly an eccentric performance i feel like i feel like he uh Maybe he was just really trying to earn his paycheck there. But I, re- I as I was watching, I was like, wow, it's like, is this guy like on opium all the time? Like, what is this dude's deal? Like, he's, he, he really did seem like he was like operating on a much lower gear than everybody else throughout the movie. I think Heath Ledger has been fantastic in other films. And I think he was very talented. And if you're a fan of film, it's tragic that he he passed away so young. It was, I thought it was doing very kind of mannered and ticky acting in this movie. It was, it did nothing but draw attention to how much he was acting. I thought. <laughs> right. Well, if, if uh, how about this? If, if Johnny Knoxville turns in a more naturalistic performance than you in a film, you've, you've, maybe you've, you've made too much of a meal out of the role. Let's let, maybe I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I also wondered a lot about the they portray the the sort of the friction between the older surfer guys getting kind of angry with all the with all the the attention that the skater kids are getting in the feature film and it doesn't that doesn't really figure into the documentary and I wondered you know just how much that was actually a an issue because you can almost see it like those older dudes were like they they were the gatekeepers and then all of a sudden these kids decide they're going to play with toys, which is what skateboards were considered at the time. And then all of a sudden they've got this like, you know, media team following them around. I, you know, I wonder how much of their, of that actual friction was there. I also, I loved, by the way, Mitch Hedberg uh, showing up as the guy with the Cadillac wheels, as if he was like a heroin dealer. <laughs> like he's, he's kind of in a paper bag. He's like, check it out, man. <laughs> it was like, really? Is that... <laughs> There were some aspects of Lords of Dogtown that felt cheesy like that, I thought. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's you or me, Tony. No, it's me. <laughs> like a lot of that. <laughs> yep. It's not a terrible movie. It was very watchable, but I also like I wouldn't recommend anyone seek it out in lieu of watching almost anything else. There was also the other as a as a a, a fan of skateboarding. I, I remember watching it when it first came out and thinking they're going to 
they're going to have them doing tricks that were not happening at that state. And they, they, sure enough, there's a scene where Jay Adams is sort of just out on a Rango Tango Devil May Care skateboarding spree and does like a, an ollie. And I'm like, that's not, <laughs> that was, you know, they, they were, they were pretty, they were, they were very, very faithful to it wherever there was footage you know, the footage of them at the, that contest in the film was very, very faithful to the footage of them at the contest in the documentary. But a lot, like, I think they were trying to imply that Jay Adams was such a natural and so sort of far ahead of everybody that he was doing things like wall rides and stuff like that. I was just like, that's, or there's a, there's a point where Tony Alba rides off of the top of the they're at some skate contest and I think it's like a lighthouse or something. And he rides off of the top and without grabbing the board with his hands, like basically ollies down onto the platform. And I'm just like, that's just not, (laughs) that's like, you're like six or seven years early on that one guys. Like, but that, that's me just nitpicking, you know, the, the, the skate element of things. That's okay. I was like that when fake black flag showed up. Oh yeah. <laughs> in the, the end. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, yeah. I was like, is this supposed to be black flag? Would black flag wear a black flag t-shirt? <laughs> it's funny because I, I almost felt, in fact, I, I, I actually meant to look this up, but it was interesting that the lead singer was wearing that like Sims skateboarding, like sweatshirt, because I almost made me wonder if there's like a, a, a footage of a black flag show somewhere where one of their many lead singers was wearing a, a sim sweatshirt and they were like, okay, we can work with that. Yeah. Given the time frame and in the song they were singing, I, I have to assume that was Keith. That was supposed to be someone playing Keith Morris. Right. So is there Which, a photo of Keith Morris with uh, a sim sweatshirt somewhere? I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen every photo of black flag, but. Seems like the seems like the sort of thing he might do. Right. I mean, no, I mean, they would Sims was certainly part of the culture. It just seemed like such a it seemed like such a clear choice that I was wondering if there's like a photo in Fuck Your Heroes or something like that where that's occurring and that that they use that as the the basis. It's also funny to me that in a way, punk rock is portrayed as sort of like the bad guys in the movie. Like once Jay has his turn towards more of like, you know, hanging out with gangsters that's when he starts going to punk rock shows. And I'm like, Oh, so are we, are we posing that the, that the punks were the bad element? <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Oh, it's true. And um, I remember reading that originally Fred Durst was going to direct Lords of Dogtown, the the singer for Limp Biscuit. Really? And then uh, when, when they got a higher budget and they got Heath Ledger, the studio said, no, we need someone who's actually directed a movie before to do this. I didn't know that Jim Red Dog Muir was the older brother of Mike Muir from from Suicidal Tendencies. And that certainly makes a lot of sense to me. Once I put it together, I was like, oh, that's that's the same last name. But yeah, Jim Jim Muir was one of the original Z-Boys and his older uh, his younger brother is Mike from Suicidal Tendencies. Oh, cool. And I know Tony Alva went on to play in some punk bands, too. You know, it was it was interesting to me that as I was sort of like researching all the all the um, the cameos of pro skaters, I was surprised that there weren't more, to be honest with you. Like everybody in the documentary who was available and was was, you know, had little little cameos in the in the film. But I was almost surprised they didn't pack the background or at least that I could at least that I could figure out with my with my lookings on the internet, I thought that every extra was going to be some 
oh, they're a pro skater, but it seemed like that wasn't the case. No, it seemed like the people who weren't original Z boys who were in it, like it seemed like they really hung a lampshade on the cameos. And here's Tony Hawk. He can he can't ride a skateboard. <laughs> or I liked how uh, you know, Stacy Peralta was playing the director of the Charlie's Angels episode, who was complaining about the long hair of young Stacy Peralta character. Well, that was also the the one thing, the little factoid that I found out as I was, you know, researching a little bit for the for the podcast was Tony Alva and Stacy Peralta were their own stunt doubles, which is pretty amazing when you consider that at the at the time the movie was made, I think they were both in their fifties, and the fact like the fact that they were like, all right. I'm strapping up. I'm going to ride like good for you guys. Like I thought that was really fucking cool that, that when that scene where Tony Alva pulls the air, that's Tony Alva. I was like, wow, that's, I sure, I sure wish I could still be skating pools at <laughs> 55. I was pretty impressed with that. Did you also notice that a very young Joel McHale was, uh, was one of the news reporters at, at one of the contests? I did notice that, yes. Being a fan of, uh, of Joel McHale in general, I was pretty psyched that at least he had a one line <laughs> in, the, in the movie. Um, I also thought it was really interesting. I picked it out right away that one of the, the guy playing one of the original Z-Boys in the, in the, the feature film was a, was, is a current pro skater named Don the Nuge Nguyen, who in 2020 is such a caught such a perfect figure of a 70s skater with like he's got like long black hair and he's like skinny as a rail and I was like it it made a lot of sense that he was in the movie I was like all right that that you, you know that when they were casting it they were like that was the first guy like that guy needs to be in the movie. But yeah, everybody else was in it. Skip was in it as the race starter. Uh, Christian Asoy was one of the promoters, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But, uh, Jay Adams and Tony Alva were in the uh, the scene at the party at Jay Adams' house where the Slinky guy approaches him to be the spokesperson for Slinky. I thought that was kind of cool. So I'm going to say I recommend Dogtown and Z-Boys and... I don't necessarily recommend Lords of Dogtown unless you're real curious to see how they semi-fictionalize a documentary you've just watched. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, Twitter and Instagram at Gleam the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Skateboarding is not a crime.